Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter 14, I want to read one statement that the Lord made in verse 3. Four words that I want you to focus on. He simply said, I will come again. Can you say that with me? I will come again. Let's say it again. I will come again. I want to talk about four certainties concerning the coming of the Lord. Four certainties concerning the coming of the Lord. Would you lift your hands with me again? And let's don't just pray our normal prayer. Let's don't just pray our casual Sunday morning prayer. Let's pray that God would move upon us and that God would move upon those that may be listening here this morning and stir their hearts. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I look to you once again, and I'm praying, God, that you would move upon us today. We need your help. We need your anointing. We're not much without the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to help us, to speak to us, to deal with us today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to have one more church service to come into your presence, to feel it, to enjoy it, to worship you. And I'm praying, God, that you would move upon us today in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. From the very outset of this message this morning, I acknowledge that this is a very complex subject that I'm approaching. For any time you bring up the subject of the coming of the Lord in a group of people, you will immediately be met with all sorts of varying opinions and positions and ideals concerning this subject. When is it going to happen? Some believe that they know when it's going to take place or at least in the time frame that it's going to take place. Questions like what must take place first before it does happen, before it occurs, and then how events that have already occurred and already happened, how do they fit into the panorama of the end time? Frankly, some things concerning the end time remain a mystery to all of us. And I wonder if this isn't the reason why there's been a shying away, it seems, of preaching and teaching concerning the end time. Because it hasn't been that many years ago, even in my childhood and adolescent years, I remember hearing a lot of preaching and teaching concerning the end time. In fact, there was prophecy conferences, prophecy preachers, evangelists that traveled the country. And I realized that some of them, their predictions were wrong. 
I understand that some of them might have missed it. And I don't know if that has added to the callousness, the cavalier attitude that people have concerning the coming of the Lord. Perhaps it's because of so many false alarms. So many have uh, heard this type of preaching that it has built up uh, to the point that people don't have a real concern about it anymore and a real sensitive spirit and, and a listening ear to receive preaching and teaching concerning the coming of the Lord. But I want to tell you that if it is an important subject then, and we know that even in Jesus' day that he spent time talking about this very important subject. He spent time, and I'm going to show you that in the word of the Lord this morning, he spent time addressing the times and what it would be like and the conditions and the atmosphere of the world in the end time. He gave it in detail. He left some things ambiguous, but he did give some details and quite frankly, those things are unfolding before our eyes, even as I speak here this morning. And I know that we're hearing a lot of talk about the last days. But while we're hearing a lot of talk about it, I fear that there are those that are not truly listening and certainly not heeding the warning because people's inactivity speaks for itself. There is a display of widespread indifference when it comes to the coming of the Lord, when it comes to the things of God in general, when it comes to the church, when it comes to subjects such as the preaching of the Word of God, when it comes to hearing the Word of the Lord as it's ministered and respecting it, when it comes to Living for God. I'm not talking about just the cursory comments that people make when they say, I live for God, I serve the Lord, I am a Christian, those general statements. But I'm talking about people that know and walk circumspectly in this world and truly and diligently endeavor to live for God on a day-to-day -day basis. But allow me to remind you here this morning there may be mysteries, there may be unknowns concerning the Lord's return. Yet there are some very clear certainties that cannot be debunked. I want to tell you that there is some very clear certainties that cannot be discredited or explained away. Because my Bible tells me, just as I read to you the statement of the Lord, that he is coming again. He said, I will come. That's unequivocal. There's no explaining that away. There takes no real theologian or any definition uh, from a theologian to try to define what that really means. The Lord is coming again. And so I want to talk about some of those certainties concerning the coming of the Lord. First of all, he's coming back 
the scripture tells me, for those that look for him. Hebrews 9 and 28 says, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time. Never has there been more distractions than in the day that you and I are living in. People are busier than they've ever been. People have more responsibilities than they've ever had. People carry greater burdens and workloads than ever. People have more demands upon their time than ever in history. Therefore, they find themselves looking for the next paycheck, the next work order, or the next thing to do on their to-do list. And certainly, in the end time, God has been edged out. Sadly, in the end time, he's been pushed aside and deemed as non-essential. This is different than the way that the early church lived their lives and conducted themselves. The apostle Paul, amen, writes about it. And we can see the example of the way that they lived. We can see it in their writings. They lived their lives and conducted their business and prioritized their days as though that the Lord could come at any moment. The apostles believed, I I sincerely believe that this can be proven through the Scripture. They believed in the imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed that it could happen in their lifetime. Let me read to you what the apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Note this, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Let me read that again. We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. He sincerely believed that he would see with his own eyes. He would still be here able to witness the coming of the Lord. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, there it is again, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Two different times in this text, He uses the words we. He says we which are alive and remain. When it happens, he believed that he was still going to be here. He believed that it could happen in his lifetime. That tells me, folks, that they were watching for his return. They were anxiously awaiting his return. Everything about their life was focused on upon the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. They lived every day with that hope. 
every day they prioritized in that way that this could be the day that the Lord returns to rapture his church out of this world. This could be the day of the catching away of the church. I wonder how differently, amen, things would be if the church today lived as the church in the book of Acts and soon after lived, amen, as every day could be the day of the coming of the Lord. I wonder how differently your life would be if you lived each day when you woke up in the morning. This could be the day that Jesus returns. This could be the day. I want to be ready. I want to be prepared. I want to have done my praying. I want to have lived according to his word. I want to be dedicated when that day comes. I want to be consecrated when that day comes. Because I don't believe that there's going to be any opportunity for people to hurry up and make things right and get things corrected. But at that time when the trumpet sounds, it's either prepared or not. It's either ready or not. It's either raptured or not. I want to be ready. I am looking. I am watching for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody lift up your hands with me and let's pray together right now. I sincerely believe that if folks truly believe that, they would be more concerned about it than they appear to be right now. I am convinced that if people truly believe that he could come back today, and folks, he can. No man knows the day or the hour. I'm not trying to make any predictions. But I'm telling you, all the signs are pointing. Everything that is happening The events that are surrounding us in this world right now are telling us that Jesus could come even before the sun sets this evening. Amen. I wonder what kind of different attitude there would be towards the house of God. I wonder if people would be more worried about that than they are about everything else that's going on in this world. Because people are so concerned about everything else, I'm afraid that they're not concerned about the most important thing. And that is, is their soul ready to meet God? If the trump should sound, amen, if the Lord was to come for His church, am I going to be a part of the bride of Christ? Am I going to be a part of that number that goes up with Him in the clouds of glory? When that great day comes, am I going to be one of those that is raptured? I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And the Bible said he's going to comfort those that look for him. Those are the ones that he will appear to a second time. Come on, we need to be focused. Amen. We need to... to, to, in some way get rid of all the distractions in our lives and zero in on the most important thing and that is that the Lord is going to return for his church. Amen. So first of all, he's coming for those that look for him. Secondly, there will be signs of his coming. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verse 25, 
And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth. Distress of nations. Are we not seeing that come to pass? I don't know that nations have ever faced what they're facing now. I don't know if they've ever faced distress as they are right now. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. I want you to listen to these things. These are not out of the newspaper. These are out of your Bible. Verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear. Fear is gripping the hearts of people like I've never seen it before. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption. Draw it nigh. And then the Lord, these are the Lord's words in verse 34 of that same chapter, chapter 21 of Luke, gives us a warning. And take heed to yourselves. Come on, it's time to look inwardly. It's time to examine yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. What does that mean? That means consumed with the things of the world, consumed with what is going on around you. Another word for surfeiting is to gorge oneself or to overconsume to the point that you have no capacity to receive anything else. Could I safely say that this world, this society that we live in is guilty of surfeiting? Amen. They have gorged themselves with carnality. They have gorged themselves with worldliness. They have no room for God in their life. Their hearts are overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, which is another overindulgence. They've overindulged in the world. They have overcharged themselves with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life and so that the day came upon you unawares you're so concerned with what's going on out here in the world that you forsake the most important thing and that is that the Lord is soon to come and I've got to be ready for his appearing I've got to be ready when he calls his church home verse 35 for as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Verse 36, watch ye therefore and pray always. This is our instructions. We need to again be watching and we need to be prayerfully considering that the day of the Lord is going to appear soon that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Folks, there will be signs. These signs are telling us we need to get ready. These signs are telling us we need to be prayerful. These signs are telling us this is no time to be carnal. These signs are telling us that if we've ever had church, we need to have church with intensity. If we've ever worshipped, we need to worship. If we ever need to hear the Word of God, we need to hear the Word of God. If we ever need to receive from the Word, 
word. We need to receive from the word. If we ever need to keep our faith alive, we need to keep our faith alive. Matthew chapter 24, the disciples ask him, What shall be the signs of thy coming in the end of the world? So Jesus painted a very descriptive picture of what it would look like around the time of his return. In verse 5, he explains, Many will come in my name and deceive many. We've seen that. It says, Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We've seen that. These are signs that we can, if you're going down a checklist, you can check these off. Verse 7, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We have seen that and are still seeing that. And there shall be famines. We've seen that. And pestilence. Do you understand what is happening right now? Not just in our nation, but globally is a pestilence. Amen. This is a plague that has came upon the land in the form of a pandemic. Earthquakes in diverse places. We're seeing that. It's happening on all corners of the globe. We're seeing it. It's happening out in the midst of the sea and causing tsunamis to come and destroy thousands of people in cities. It's it's happening. It's happened in the last few weeks. There's been so much news that one cannot keep up with it. But there has been very, very strong earthquakes that have occurred in just the last few weeks in our world that are bringing devastation. It's happening all over, not just in one certain spot, diverse places. Verse 10, many shall be offended. Have you ever known a generation that for the littlest of things can become offended? People are offended by preaching like I'm preaching here this morning. People are offended by something that is said. They're looking for little nuances and little things that someone could say wrong so that they can retweet and and they can fire back across social media and uh, say how wrong that the person is. There's such scrutiny because people are easily offended. That's in your Bible. And they betray one another. Have you ever seen such a lack of loyalty as there is today in our world? And hate one another. Have you ever seen such hate as what there is in our world today? You don't have to look globally. Just look right here in America. Over the last several weeks, there's been more hate propagated in our world. That is a sign, my friends, of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12, and because iniquity, which is immorality, gross sin abounds. Iniquity shall abound, the Bible said in the last days. And it is a pounding. Oh, you don't have to go very far. You don't have to look very much. Matter of fact, all you got to do is walk down the street nowadays or drive down the road. Lutinous on every corner. 
uh, debauchery, people that have absolutely no regard, almost what I would call sacrilege in their regard towards holy things, respect not for one another and not even for themselves by the way that they dress and the way that they act. I'm telling you, these are signs of the end time. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You try to preach to them, it's like speaking to a statue. You try to preach to them, it falls upon deaf ears. You try to get people's attention and startle them back into reality. The love of many has waxed cold. People are cold hearted in this day. No regard for anything but their own self pleasure. No regard for anything but entertaining themselves. No burden. No brokenness. No yielding. No surrender to God. There are signs. And I want to ask this congregation and those that may be listening to us this morning, can you see the signs? Come on, can you see the signs that I named to you today that I've listed out in my preaching here this morning? And this is just a cursory glance at the Word of God. These are just a few that I'm mentioning to you. If you want to dig into it further, you can dig in a whole lot more and find that there are more signs that are pointing. If you need a signpost today that points you to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't know what more that you're looking for, but it seems like as that... That day approaches, uh, people are growing more cold uh, and more indifferent uh, and more difficult to move uh, and nothing stirs them. I want to ask you, sir, how long has it been since you've been broken in an altar? How long has it been since you've been concerned about your soul and then the souls of others that are around you? Jesus is coming again. We must be ready for his return. I'm appalled. I'll be the first to admit that I am appalled at how little people are stirred. If this would have happened 10 years ago, people would be flocking to this church. They wouldn't worry about some kind of contagion. They'd be flocking to this church. But they're cold. They're cold. I'll name it. They're cold. Backsliders. Amen. Are more difficult to reach than they ever have been oh you need to stir up that gift that is within you nobody can stir it up for you Paul said it's there but you it's your responsibility to stir it up it's your responsibility to awaken yourself it's your responsibility to shake yourself in this hour and realize I've got to be ready for the coming of the Lord Number three, he will come back suddenly. Again, Paul's writing concerning the coming of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verses 1 through 6. But of the time and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. 
For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. I've taught you this. I I told you that that you can't guess when he's coming. You won't be able to prepare on the brink of it that it's coming as a thief in the night. You'll be unawares if you're not ready. You need to stay ready. You need to stay prepared for when they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as a travail, as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape but ye brethren are not in darkness you're not confused about it you've heard this before it's been preached to you that that day should overtake you as a thief ye are children of light in the children of the day we are not of the night nor of the darkness therefore let us not sleep as do others but let us watch and be sober he is trying to tell them that you need to awake you need to remember You need to be sober. You need to be vigilant in this hour. You need to be diligent uh, to put uh, things in perspective. You need to be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Don't leave anything up to chance. Don't don't leave any guesswork in this deal. We gotta be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. said you better stay alert you better stay aware you better stay watchful because it will happen suddenly Jesus is telling examples that those people that he was teaching would understand he talked about the days of Noah so shall it be like it was in the days of Noah when the son of man comes and then he uses another illustration he says as it was in the days of Lot which I believe categorically could be placed beside the day that you and I are living in and there would be a lot of similarities. The Bible said they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. In other words, it was business as usual. I heard over and over again during this time, I just be glad when it gets back to business as usual. I'll be glad when we can get back to normal. And I understand the sentiment. And I felt that way myself a few times. But maybe God is trying to awake us. Maybe God is trying to stir us up. Because as they ate and they drank and they bought and they sold and they planted and they built it, the Bible said, but the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even though it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, in that day in which shall be upon the, he that which, which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. It's it's going to happen so suddenly that if you, you're not going to be able to go in and run and get something and take care of something and rearrange something and, and fix something. It's going to happen so suddenly. He said, if you're in the field, don't go back and try to get anything. You've got to be ready for the coming of the Lord and the catching away of the church because it's going to happen suddenly. 
He said, as lightning flashes across the sky and as a thief cometh in the night. But if he had known this, the goodman of the house would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready. Just like that goodman locks up his house and said, I'm not going to let the thief come in unawares and take from me. You need to be aware that Jesus is coming. I've got to be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, lift up your voice with me and let's pray together right now. One thing's for sure, he's coming suddenly. 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 I get a picture in my mind of those people of Sodom. As they look around, suddenly there's a a stillness in the air. That gentle breeze that had been blowing suddenly stops. And they can feel the temperature as it begins to rise. Suddenly, objects that they had never seen or witnessed before are falling out of the sky. And they look out beyond the city limits and they see Lot and his family members as they're scurrying towards the mountains. And they're wondering what's going on. What's happening? I get a picture in my mind of Noah preaching his last message of repentance. Because the Bible said he was a preacher of righteousness. And I don't know that he preached out of a Bible. What I mean by that is I don't know that he had anything because there was no, I don't know if he had some type of notebook or outline of writings where God had spoke to him. I don't know what it was. Maybe he had nothing at all, just what the Lord placed in his heart. But as he walked away from the people that he was preaching to for the last time, turned his back he didn't know and they certainly didn't know that that was going to be the last time that they were going to receive a call of repentance he didn't know and they didn't know that was going to be the last altar call if you will and you know I certainly don't compare myself with Noah But every preacher of truth, at some point or another, is going to preach their last sermon. Going to open the Bible for the last time. And is going to preach a warning. And make a call for repentance. Give an altar call. For the last time. For the last time. They're not going to be aware of it, perhaps. That's why every time I stand behind this sacred desk, I try to give it all I've got. Somebody said, why do you lift your voice? Why do you get so emotional? Why do you preach till you sweat? Why do you preach until you lose your voice? Somebody called me this last Monday. said, you're coming down with something? I said, no, it's just the way it is on Mondays. It's just the way it is. But I suppose I could get up here and lecture if I didn't care and I wasn't concerned and 
I wasn't stirred in my heart. But I felt it, felt it come upon me even stronger in recent weeks. You got to push. You got to push. I felt under a burden even more. You got to push. You got to reach somebody. You got to tell someone. You got to help somebody. You got to try to shake a church awake. You got to try to to stir the heart of a saint of God that is that has fallen asleep. You got to help them to realize that that my coming is near. You got to you got to try to to stir somebody up. You got to try to break through the hard exterior and the walls that people have put up. You got to try your very best. Amen. Oh, and I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm going to step behind this desk for the last time at some point. Amen. I'm going to preach my last sermon and give my last altar call. And it very well could be the last time that we ever conduct a church service. It very well could be the last time that I ever stand here or you ever stand here in the presence of the Lord and have conviction and have the presence of God stir your heart and talk to you and deal with you and stir you and move you. Amen. I wonder if you knew this was the last service that you was going to have. This was the last altar call that you had ever sat under. What would your response be? How would you act this morning? What would your worship be? How would your prayer be? Would you be a little bit more passionate? Would you care whether somebody, amen, looked at you or what they thought of you? Or would you run to an altar and make up your mind? i got to tell God. Because my final point is the saddest of all. The final certainty that I want to talk about is found in Luke 18. And that is that there will be those left behind. That is certain. Not everybody's going to make it. I'm going to try to reach everybody I can. I'm going to preach with passion. I'm going to give an altar call with tears and prayer and concern and burden. I'm going to try my best to be obedient to God. We're as a church going to try to carry burden and have services that are conducive to people praying through the Holy Ghost and folks getting right. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, this this church is more, amen, than just jumping and shouting and running and dancing and getting our blessings. Amen. This church has got to be about somebody getting on their knees and crying out to God because our shout doesn't mean much. Our dancing doesn't mean much. Our running doesn't mean much. If we don't have true victory in our heart, if we don't really believe that Jesus is coming again. Jesus taught his disciples about that second coming. He said in verse 34, I tell you, in that night there shall be two in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. The one shall be taken. The other shall be left. Two men shall be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. How heartbreaking it would be. But there will be those that will be left behind at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I suppose that I can give an altar call this morning. But you know the fact is I shouldn't have to give one. Somebody should see the signs of the times. Somebody should realize I don't need anybody begging me because I want to be ready. I'm telling you there are some certainties. 
surrounding the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, would you help me pray and help me get a hold of God? Would you help me seek the face of the Lord? Hallelujah. Would you help me reach out to heaven right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you more than we're worried about all of the rioting and all the things that's going on in this world. We need to be worried about getting our soul right with God. Even more than worrying about COVID-19, we need to be worried about getting our soul right with God. Oh, we need to be worried, amen, and concerned and make sure. Hallelujah, I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need to repent of some things, you should repent of them. If you need to make some things right, you should make them right. But somebody needs to know, make certain, have confidence. The eastern skies should part. And I should hear the shout of the Lord. The trump shall sound. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. God, don't let my heart wax cold. Don't let my love for you and my desire to serve you wax cold. Oh, yes, don't let all the things that are going on in this world crowd out my attention and my focus being upon you. Would you help me pray, church? Would you help me lift up your voice? Lift up your voice, lift up your voice, lift up your voice as they begin to sing. Lift up your voice to the Lord, lift up your voice to the Lord. I must. Oh, yes, above everything.